0: These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you to be here with us this morning in this place, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in your Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, I want to talk about death and a river of sewage, but I also want to talk about life and being washed clean. And I want to do it all by talking about just one sentence in the book of the Revelation to St. John. As we read in that reading, John has a vision of himself in heaven, and he sees a multitude of people standing before the throne of God worshiping, right? What do they say? They say, amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. This is a great worship service. And then John says that one of the elders addressed him saying, who are these robed in white and where have they come from? John says, sir, you are the one who knows. And then the elder says to John, and this is the sentence that I want to focus on this morning. He says, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So what did I say we were going to talk about this morning? Death and a river of excrement, but also life. And being washed clean. So let's start by talking about death. Because this reading, this Revelation 7 reading, is traditionally read at funerals. If you've been to Christian funerals, you've heard this reading read. It's one of the sort of standard suggested readings for funerals. And yet, here we are reading it during our normal Sunday celebration. And in the Easter season, no less. Well, what gives? Well, I'll tell you, you, the great Christian insight about death is that it's actually the end of suffering. It's the beginning of something wholly new. For the Christian, the pain and suffering that the rest of the world associates with death, we actually associate with life. And see death as the end of that. And that is what John is saying here in Revelation when he says that these gathered worshippers, this great throng gathered around the throne of God, are those who have come out of the great ordeal. This life, these years we live, the burdens we bear, the loves we have, the losses we suffer, even the celebrations we cherish are all part of this ordeal. In the movie Magnolia, my favorite of all time, since that's a question that I'm regularly asked, what's your favorite movie? What I'll tell you is Magnolia, Jason Robards, the great actor, plays a man dying of cancer. He's a really tragic figure in this film. He's divorced from his first wife, he's estranged from his son, he's married to a much younger woman who only loves him for his money, he's cared for only by a nurse from a service. This is the only person in the world who seems to care about him at all. And as he lies there, dying, struggling for each breath, slipping in and out of consciousness, he says, Life isn't short. It's long. Now we often hear and say that life is short. What we mean is, Enjoy it while you can. Or the good times don't come around all that often or last all that long. So take advantage. Another way of saying this is that life is short on joy and long on tragedy. Now, don't get me wrong. There is joy in life, and I praise the Lord for it. But there's a reason why there's a whole genre of music called the blues, I think there's a reason why half the ads I see during Monday Night Football are for prescription depression medication. In fact, if you've ever watched ESPN for any length of time, you'll see that their whole ad campaign for Monday Night Football seems to be, isn't your life in a rut of depression and drudgery? Isn't your job terrible? Isn't your home life unsatisfying? At least there's Monday Night Football. But as we know, for every Monday night football game, there's a Tuesday morning. The three hours we spend apparently in blissful Monday night football land are outweighed by the other 417 hours of the week. And yes, I had to do that calculation myself. Jesus is speaking... Specifically about this kind of thing, this life, this ordeal, this human condition. As he begins his Sermon on the Mount, what is commonly called the Beatitudes. You've all heard this. He names the human sufferings and then pronounces his blessing. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Jesus is calling out Naming one by one the painful things of human life. Poor in spirit, mourning, meekness, hunger, and thirst for things that are beyond our grasp, persecution, slander. Jesus knows what we feel. Human life is an ordeal. <clears throat> So let's get back to our scene from Revelation. We have people, remember, worshiping God from every tongue, tribe, and nation gathered there before the throne. In addition to being read at funerals, this reading is also commonly read at All Saints Day. Now, that makes sense, right? Those two things sort of go together, all saints and funerals. At a funeral, we're celebrating that someone has gone on to join the saints in light. Those are the words that we say to join This heavenly throng, praising God. But as I was reflecting on this reading this week, I think that we've gotten our conception of a saint pretty mixed up. Because most commonly, I think, we just think of saints as really good people. Sainthood, we think, is something that can be earned, that can be bestowed upon somebody. All you need is three miracles, right? Isn't that the rule? And the way we use the word in common parlance, oh, so-and-so is such a saint, we use it in terms of accomplishment. We use it in terms of quality. Someone who shows great patience, say, in putting up with her husband who wants to watch a movie and a basketball game on the same night and isn't really into doing the dishes and would really rather not help put the kids to bed. This kind of person would be called a saint, right? This Completely hypothetical person. (laughs) (laughs) But I want to suggest something to you a little different this morning. I want to suggest that Jesus, in his Beatitudes, is actually describing a saint. He calls these people blessed. Now, what is a saint if not blessed by God? So, it is a saint who is poor in spirit who is mourning, who is meek, who hungers and thirsts for things that are beyond their grasp, who is persecuted and slandered. Now, that's not how you usually think of a saint. Normally, we think of saints sort of like John describes them in this reading from Revelation 7, right? From every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cry out in a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on the throne and to the lamb. That is what the saints do, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. It's beautiful. But before there was beauty, there was a river of excrement. Remember the end of the Shawshank Redemption when Tim Robbins has to crawl through a mile-long sewage pipe to escape from prison? When he emerges, he's covered in excrement. He's, He's come through something. And so have these saints in Revelation 7. Remember, these are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. In other words, their robes didn't always look like that. They've come out of the great ordeal. Their robes needed to be washed. Just like Tim Robbins, emerging from that sewage tunnel outside of Shawshank Prison, the saints have been through an ordeal. They don't look so hot. Remember the Beatitudes. They've been mocked, mourned, hungered and thirsted. They've been persecuted and slandered. In other words, they look like us. They look like you. A saint, then, isn't something you become. Blessed isn't something you become. It's something that you are. Because you are poor in spirit, you are blessed, you mourn, you are blessed, you hunger and thirst, you are blessed, you are persecuted and slandered, you are blessed, and you are blessed because at the other end of that sewage tunnel is freedom. Now is when we talk about life and being washed clean. For Tim Robbins, it's raining outside in the Shawshank Redemption. He stands up, lifts his arms, raises his face to the rain and is washed clean. And there is a washing for us, too, as the elder tells John in his vision. For us, there's the blood of the Lamb. I know that blood isn't a comfortable image for everybody. We don't traditionally think of blood as being clean. But this is an image that is all over the Bible. Before Jesus, as you know, Jews sacrificed a lamb, their best lamb, every year, believing that the blood spilled from that lamb could symbolically wash their sins away. The problem, of course, was that it wasn't permanent. It didn't last. They kept sinning, and so every year they had to go back and sacrifice another lamb. They had to keep doing it, a new lamb, a new cleaning every year. But the New Testament continually refers to Jesus as the lamb. And when John sees this multitude in Revelation, They are gathered before the throne of God and the Lamb. The courtroom scene is all set up. The judge is there sitting on his throne and the Lamb is there ready to defend his saints. But he doesn't just defend us with an opening statement and good oral arguments. He defends us, scripture says, with his blood. And so every sermon is about death. It's entirely ap- appropriate to read a funeral reading at a Sunday celebration. Because, every, because though every sermon is about death, every sermon is also about resurrection. We are here to celebrate an empty tomb, Christ's victory over the grave, a victory given to us. And so the death we talk about is no longer Ours. It's Jesus' death for us. Unlike the sacrifice of an actual lamb, the sacrifice of the Lamb of God actually lasts. It washes clean and is permanent, like the rain that washes Tim Robbins clean outside of Shawshank Prison, we believe that the blood of the Lamb shed for us washes us clean. And this, this washing clean, is why we are called blessed even as we go through this great ordeal. Blessed as we feel poor in spirit because ours is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed as we mourn, for we will be comforted. Blessed as we hunger and thirst, for we will be filled. Blessed as we are persecuted and slandered, for our reward will be great. And it is because of that reward, because we have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, that we can say with all those saints gathered around the throne, even though we are still in the midst of this ordeal. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. And what is our promise? The one who is seated on the throne will shelter us. We will hunger no more. And thirst no more. The sun will not strike us nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be our shepherd. He will guide us to springs of the water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Amen.